with the 10th pick in the 2002 NBA draft, the Miami Heat select Peron Butler from the University of Connecticut. This is a great moment in my basketball career, and especially in my life, for my children, my fiance, my grandmother, my whole family. As I headed up the steps into the spotlight to shake the commissioner's hand and face the nation as a professional basketball player, he thought, I made it. Now don't fall down. His words, not mine. We welcome in family and friend of the show, Karan Butler, to be honest. Those are your words in your book, Tough Juice. Um, at that point, I know you were surprised. And there was a point in your life where you didn't think you'd make it that far. So talk us about that journey. How'd you make it out? Just... uh Honestly, just staying goal-oriented, you know, throughout that whole process. And, you know, the people that was most important to me was right there at that table. That's why it was an emotional moment because to see everything come full circle and to be in that that space and in that moment in that time, I think that, you know, hearing the names called and to finally hear your name called and that dream come true, it was just, it was all, it all came together at one at one moment. Now, mind you, that was 2002. I watch it now and I still get emotional because I know your story. But for those who don't, um, you were a father at a very young age. You 14. Were 14 years old. Yeah. At 14 years old, did you think you'd be in the NBA? No, no, never. I, you know, at that time, to be honest with you, that's crazy. Plug, be honest. Yeah, <laughs> it, you know, it was all I was thinking about was being the best hustler that I could possibly be. And I, I wasn't thinking about sports or any extracurricular activities or anything like that. I was just trying to provide for one, my mom, who I, I felt responsible for because I was the only man in the house. And then two, understanding that I had a child on the way. Mm. I was trying to be the best possible father that I can be because I never had one. At 14 years old, you were you seventh, eighth grade, ninth grade maybe. Yeah. How are you trying to be a man? At 14, that's just not possible. I, I never had a, a, a real example besides the ones that i seen on television. You know, so I was just trying to be the best possible version of a father that I could possibly be. And, you know, the one thing that I wanted to do was always be available, but to provide for my children. You know, so I was out there hustling. I was out there grinding. I was. And by hustling, you mean? Yeah, I was selling drugs. I was selling drugs. I was selling everything. You know, anything that I could get my hands on. You know, I was flipping it and, you know, making the best out of what I could make it out of. You went to jail. How old were you? I was I was 15. I think I was 15 and a half when I uh, got incarcerated and went away for the 14 months. And it was just it was a crazy experience before because I was locked up, you know, countless times, but never taken out of the state or the city or anything like that for that large pocket of time. So that was a crazy experience, you know, being away from the household and obviously being away from my child. So at 15, 16, 17, at that point, most people is over. There's no, there's no hopes of going to college. There's nobody looking at them saying, I don't care how talented you are. I want you to come and play at UConn and then ultimately make it into the NBA. Who, who was your yes? Who took a chance on you? It, it was, it was a couple of people that really took a chance on me and the people that always believed in it. It start with the strong women in my life, my mother, my grandmother, and my aunts. Um, they was the foundation, the beginning, and they would be the end. Um, I would have to say the the prep school, MCI, 
just gave me a opportunity in the pipeline to get out of Wisconsin after I was rejected to attend school, unify anything in the state. They just told me I couldn't go to school no more. And I was like, what they are I supposed to do? They had given up on you. Yeah, like, it was like, yo, I was like, what am I supposed to do then? They were like, well, you got to go to another state. So a prep school accepted me, uh, Maine Central Institute. They gather funds. And I hollered at this local guy. And people, this story goes unnoticed, but this brother didn't ask me for anything back, anything in return. He saw that I wanted to, I was itching to get back into the streets. And I went to him and I told him that I need $5,000. And you know what those stories entail. And he was just like, you know what, bro? I see the potential in you. I see the talent. Here's 6000 Don't come back. Mm. And I took that money. I enrolled in prep school and I never looked back. So then you get to prep school. When do you realize you're really talented and you can take this to another level? Yeah, we had a guy by the name of DeMar Johnson who was the number one high school player in the country. And I was the number one prep player in the country. And... Once the, the NBA scouts and stuff start coming around and seeing him, they was exposed to me. And they, they start telling me, hey, man, you're you going to be a lottery pick. I was like, I I think I know what that is. Mm-hmm. Lottery mean like, you know, one in something. Yeah. You know, whatever number. And yeah. I knew that it, 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 it meant getting a significant amount of riches and possibly wealth. And I just start really dialing in and focusing like, look, this this can really be something not only for me, but my family and generations and change the whole landscape of everything. And that's exactly what happened. So then there is um, an officer you talk about or a police officer that was in your life. Was he your parole officer? Was he uh, how how was he influential? Because that leads me to something that you're working on currently. Yeah. So I had several parole officers in my life over the years, but. I was on parole when this situation happened and a guy by the name of Sergeant Geller, he was with the ATF unit. That's alcohol, tobacco and firearms. And they came and they raided the house and I was in the house and they come upstairs and they checked the whole real estate. Didn't find anything in the house, but outside they found a little over an ounce of, you know, rocked up cocaine. And you know what usually happens in those situations is is found on the premises, the kid or the individual, especially in those neighborhoods, they go to jail. Right. And I was facing eight to ten years at the time with my priors. And Sergeant Geller just he he did something different and very unusual in that moment. And I saw the people just scrambling through the house and they handcuffed me and he had a conversation off to the side and I was watching him. His body language changed and they said, lift him up. I stood up and he took the handcuffs off of me. And I was just, I was shocked. I was like, do you, <laughs> like, what do I do? Like, he took him off and he said, hey, go outside. And that was just my release from that space and from that case right there. Wow. And he just said, I don't want to regret that decision I made. Wow. It's crazy. You guys friends to this day? That's my dude. (laughs) Forever, for life. Like, we connected. And, you know, I always give him the utmost respect because he changed everything. You know what I mean? Like, he he really did. He changed everything. And people don't understand that, you know, it's like this the one decision that you can make in your life that can kind of alter everything. And the decision that he made changed my life. Ultimately led to you going to the prep school. Ultimately led to you going to UConn. Another yes was a coach that said, I, I like you. Yeah. I want you to come play for me. Why UConn? I felt like 
at that time, the potential and being so close to ESPN, this is before social media and all that, but being so close to ESPN, all our games was on a national uh, scale, so the whole world can see you. And I saw my brothers like Richard Hamilton and Kavanaugh Ali and Ray Allen and those guys perform at such a high level before me. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to be on that stage. And I said, if I get on that stage, I'm going to put on for the city. I'm going to put on for the South Side, the 262. And that's exactly what happened. Okay. So as we already coming full circle, see, you get drafted in 2002. Uh, and I always think it's, it's just special to see where these players end up because you never know. So um, I'm going to go through a list of players who went before you, because hmm. you you said in your book you were like I'm going to be I'm going to go up high. That's what you thought. Yeah. But your reputation was already out there. Everybody knew about it. Mm-hmm. But then that's when you learned about the the, the, the agent game, if yeah. you will, the business of the being ugly a, side of the game. What happened? It was crazy because it wasn't about my talent. It was all about my reputation. Okay. But not my character of what I've been able to overcome and accomplish. So it was just crazy on that night, just sitting back and just listening and waiting for that opportunity. Where'd you think you'd go? What, what in terms of pick? I felt like I wouldn't go no further than Memphis. Okay. Which was at the time, I guess, what that four, you fourth, thought you'd be a yeah. fourth round. You number four in the first round. Yes. All right. So I have a little list. Names here. <laughs> Go there. Uh, Yao Ming, number one overall. How you I, feel about that? I, you know what? I knew that was going to happen, just because he's a a once in a lifetime freaking nature. You know, seven foot whatever. Uh, the Chinese, the international plug, it, all it that. Had I, to just, happen. I was like, that's done. Like, okay, I'm cool with that. Okay, 2002 NBA draft. Second choice in the first round is our colleague Jay Will. Jay Williams. How do you feel about that? I was shocked. Uh-huh. And I respect Jay Will and his game. And, you know, I just thought that Chicago and being so close. I actually went on three workouts with the Bulls. So you should have been number two. Yeah, and I, and I felt that way because I was so close to the city. Grew up watching biggest Bulls fans ever, you know, growing up. Mm-hmm. You and had had your Bulls had ready. I, I thought that was a done deal. Oh, yo. And he picked Jay. And I was shocked. Whoa. I'm still shocked to this. I, I, Whoa, yeah, you still shocked to this day? Me, when me and Jay do shows together, I'll be like, "You number two? I'm like, "Bro, that was crazy." <laughs> still, till this day, I still have a, I still have a problem with that. That's the competitive driving. I, you should have a problem with that. Um, Warriors get Mike Dunleavy with the third. I was okay. salty about that. Yeah, I went there twice, and I felt like I did really well there, showing a great deal of energy and. I even sell, I had like some crazy sound bites about Mike. I was just, I was tripping off that too because I knew I put on on the national level where I just felt like it was just guys just sliding past me and that, I, that was just disrespectful. Drew Gooden. Drew Gooden went to the Grizzlies. Uh, How'd you feel about that? You tumbling now. Yeah. I'd be sitting there drinking water. Remember when uh, we saw a boy <laughs> who, uh, doing the NFL draft? What's old boy's name? The, the Johnny Manziel. He was uh-huh. just drinking that water real fast, just real angry and then slapping it down. Cause he was like, what happened? It was crazy. That's what you was thinking. And I, and I, I never re- forget the moment when the camera had came and I was just like, get the damn camera away from me. Mm-hmm. You know, they was trying to get the moment and capture like what I was feeling. From an emotional standpoint, and I was just like, "Yeah, 
like, get the camera away from me. And me and my agent, Raymond Brothers, we went in the bathroom after picked about five or six. Okay, that yeah. would be Dewan Wagner was six. Yeah. Number five. I don't I can't even pronounce his brother's name. Nicholas Kijalapa. So that was Denver, right? Yeah. All right. So when that happened, yeah. we went in the back. Okay. And we said a prayer. Ah. Oh. And me and him, you know, we held hands and we was just talking about, you know, this wherever you land is where you land. So this Did that calm you? It calmed me, but I still was in that in that place. I was in a crazy place still mentally. I wasn't feeling it. I was just like, yo, I, I need to get up because I feel like I'm going to be the embarrassment of the moment of the draft. Really? Yeah, I just felt like that because everybody was watching. And, you know, where we come from, population of 60, 70,000 people, like people just don't make it. Oh. So when you see that and you're there, you're just like, all right, you're going to be the dude that everybody talking about tomorrow. Because there's always that guy in the draft where it's like, oh, what? Dang, that's crazy. He didn't get drafted. Okay, so the way I look at it, I'm like, top 10 is amazing. The outside looking in, I'm like, that's great. Number 10 sounds amazing. It's but in your mind, you're like, no, nah, I should have been too. Yeah, I, I was just, I was just like, I'm the best player here. That's how I felt. I was just like, I'm the best player in this draft. Fast forward to present day. Your story is amazing. And I know that. A lot of what you said, the reason why you felt you tumbled was because of just the dirty business. Your reputation was out there, but who knew, right? Mm -hmm. People were dealing and willing behind your back and you knew nothing about it. But here you are being, in my opinion, an amazing businessman, an extremely decorated NBA player, retired now. People love you. I, in fact, had, I mean, you, some people, I would say even superstars are your best friends. We had this guy, Mark Wahlberg, on the show. Have you heard of him? It's my guy. He started off as Marky Mark. <laughs> he, too, would have never thought he'd be a superstar when he was dancing in his underwear. And now he's a superstar. And you talk of Sergeant Geller. He's going to play, he's going to play the sergeant, right? Yes. In your, in your movie based on your life. How huge is that? It's amazing because I never thought that, one, you know, doing a book you know that was therapeutic for me and then the project going from that to uh, actual production into a movie is a whole nother it's a whole nother thing it's just i'm still overwhelmed like sitting here on this platform talking to you like it just don't seem it just don't seem real because obviously i'm a huge fan of yours also and i watch you on television and everything and just i'm just just in awe of the moment like and that's that's how it's supposed to be like i think and that's I think people feel it when they when 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 you when you, when they talk to me and and when I tell them my explanations and everything. It's just it's crazy. I'm still in awe. You say the humble don't stumble. I asked Mark about you. Let's listen and see what he said. Karan, oh, it's my guy. I can't wait to tell his story. Uh, <laughs> tough juice. I want to uh, to play uh, a police officer from Racine, Wisconsin, and I think Karan's story is going to continue to inspire so many people. It's going to continue to inspire so many people. I, you always say, and that is the humble don't stumble, right? I Absolutely. believe that. Here you have one of the biggest movie stars in the world calling you his buddy. You can come over to his house for dinner, hang out anytime <laughs> you want. And you still feel like this is amazing and you can't believe it. Yeah, I, I don't think you should take anything for granted. You know, and I try to just live in the moment. And every time I see people who I love and people who I respect and people who I'm trying to uplift and inspire or be a better version of themselves, I just always let that energy be felt. Any regrets? I mean? Would you do anything differently? No, like now that I'm in this space and in this moment, I wouldn't change anything. Even the time, you know, going to corrections, I think all that happened for a reason because I came out 
you know, with a different mindset and a perspective on, you know, life. You know, I look at life different, differently. I look at my legacy differently. I, I want to be the best possible Quran Butler that I could possibly be. So I just keep my mind like that. And that all happened there, you know, and I, I felt like a lot of people go to corrections to be a smarter criminal. Mm. I came out such a better person. You really did. Yeah. What'd you learn in there? I learned a lot about me. Like being alone made me strong mentally. It made me, uh, for those who don't know about you being alone, what you have to explain that. Oh, so being, being incarcerated, you're locked down 23 hours a day. You know, you get an hour out your cell and that's usually for, you know, hygiene purposes Mm -hmm. where you're going to take a shower, where you're going to play cards with yourself, you know, so. Yeah, I was only out for an hour, but in that time, you know, I started reading and I started, you know, going through letters and my life, it was at a fast pace. It slowed down tremendously. And I just started evaluating the decisions that I was making. The people that was around me, Black Rob, Little Greg, Dre, all the dudes I played in the sandbox with, they dead. You know what I mean? So like my mind was just like, if you continue to go down that path, you're not immune to that. It just made me look at everything differently. Yeah. Yeah. So you have this beautiful family. uh, And what do you tell your kids about their father? The truth. The truth. I always tell them the truth. I I actually, my, my, my middle child, Mia, she's 14 years old. And she was recording Gia, my youngest, one time in. She was just sitting there and they pay, play like a little snippet of the, my documentary of me going to jail. And she was just stuttering. She just, ah, dad, dad, dad went to jail. Like it, but I, I have those conversations with him. Yeah. And I tell him the truth and I tell him why I went to jail from the decisions that I made. And I teach them how to be, you know, kings and queens and, you know, being the best version of your poss- that you could possibly be of yourself. And I teach them how to be leaders. <sighs> It's important. I love that story. You know, I could talk about what you've overcome, you know, all day if I wanted to. Coming up on the other side of the break, more from Karam Butler. And by the way, make sure you subscribe to Be Honest in the ESPN app or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. I have to, though, I have to switch gears because I want to get your take on a couple of folks that, like, I look over your career and you played, you played with some of the best. Just about everybody. I mean, seriously. <laughs> And, and you have a way of connecting with people that I think most don't understand. Uh, you consider Kobe Bryant, who is known famously or infamously <laughs> for not having any friends. You consider him one of your best friends. Like he, he wrote like a dedication in your book, The Forward, I think, maybe. Um, if I correct me if I'm wrong, but how do you establish a friendship with a guy like that that does, goes out of his way not to make friends? Because I don't, I don't judge people from, what I hear hmm. you know what I mean like the, the old saying don't judge a book by its cover or whatever the case may be and I'm going to have my own experience and my own whatever evaluation about an individual and when I got there I felt like Kobe was just a misunderstood person when I came to the Lakers tell me how because like he's now that you see everything he's done he, he got two jerseys retired five-time champion to me you know the second best player ever to play the game of basketball next to Michael Jordan and all that happened because you have to distance yourself you have to be different you have to be on the island 
like mentally and you know and and you're gonna you know you're gonna neglect some things you're not gonna be able to have those the unbelievable friendships you know what I'm saying because it requires isolation when you're you're trying to obtain a goal and that's exactly what you've seen throughout his career you know and I respected that yeah and because I was trying to be the best that I possibly can be I followed him everywhere I was like man like where you going I'm working out in the morning I'll be there too (laughs) and then I'm working out this evening me too like it was just a whole thing where I followed him everywhere and it enhanced my game on and off the court because the same things that I applied were working out with him, I applied in my life. Okay, you play for a few teams. You talked about the Heat drafting. You play for the Warriors. You play for Detroit, uh, Wizards. Favorite team? Favorite team? Uh, I would have to say the Lakers and the Dallas Mavericks. Really? And the Washington Wizards. Why? I had my I had my most individual success success with the Washington Wizards. Okay. All star games, all that stuff. Fun times. Got paid. Had my best team collective success with the Dallas Mavericks mm-hmm. winning the championship. Sure. And then I had the most fun where I knew that when I transitioned away from the game of basketball, it would be in Los Angeles. Because you could party and go to the clubs? Not the club, just the, the <laughs> networking and everything. Like it's LA is a beast. LA is undefeated. So uh-huh. don't don't try to play that game if you out here trying to win. I mean look. It's undefeated. The club scene is undefeated. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes. You want to tell me some stories? It's just undefeated. Like, when, y'all think Floyd Mayweather hit hard. Yeah. Like, this, the, the L.A. night scene is different. It's crazy. Uh-huh. I like this sitting around, give me a glass of Sasakaya 2011 uh-huh. or 13, and this post up. Yeah, that's fancy. That's fancy stuff. Um <laughs> Yes, I don't know what that means. I I have old English. I don't know what you just talk of. What nice is that little glass speak? of red wine. Oh, okay. Just post up. Just okay. chilling. All right. So, um, I look, I got to mention the Clippers. My producer jumps in my ear to talk about the Clippers. You know I bypass them. <laughs> uh, you, take a, you take a look at the situation right now. I got to ask you currently. What do you think about the Lakers? Do you feel... I mean, I don't know. I, I was under the impression that the Lakers might get a chip in two or three years now that they have LeBron. I, I, I vacillate with that. How do you feel? I think they're in a great place and they're in a great position. And they have to use this team as a carrot to draw in uh, a budding superstar. Who right? could that be, though? It what can, does that look like? It can, it can be multiple things. I used to say Jimmy Butler, but now that he's in Philadelphia, that, wrap. that won't be because it had to be some type of future agreement. You know that had taken place already. So I look at Toronto and I look at Kawhi Leonard, and they hold narrative and everything is now the time is now. So Kawhi Leonard can be a guy that can be on the market. Clay Thompson can be a guy that can be possibly on the market. And you know if one of those things happen, you got action. You talk about playing with Kobe, and you understand the type of player Kobe is. You understand his mentality. And one would argue when you're that great, much like Michael Jordan, you will be not easy to work with. Mm. I, I sometimes suffer from that every every now and again. I may get cranky. It, it, you're great at what you I, do. I, I may get cranky every now and again. <laughs> that's cool, but, though. That's cool, though. Um, but what about LeBron? Can he be patient with this young team? And has his reputation preceded him in which... Other people feel like if I go play for the Lakers and I'm just as good, it's LeBron's chip and not my chip. Yeah, I think that's the problem with a lot of people when you're talking about joining the Los Angeles Lakers. they like, I'm enhancing his legacy. Probably one of the reasons why a lot of people felt like he went back to Cleveland 
and left Miami because Dwayne had two already. Now he got three. He's one up. And then he went, that one in Cleveland counted for two. Now, if you come to Los Angeles, Chip City, and you end up getting the championship here, you know, that, that just speaks volumes because everywhere you went, you won the championship. And I think that a lot of guys are looking at it like, it's our time. Yeah, so it goes back to my original question. Can you get a budding superstar to want and come and play with him and enhance his legacy? I think you still can because he's so selfless. Mm -hmm. And I think LeBron is really tapped into everything outside of basketball. And what better person to be budding with than, you know, one of the best players of this generation in LeBron James. And I think guys are starting to look at that like, look, he's not he's he's making Brandon Ingram look great. He's making Kyle Kuzma look great. If you play with the with LeBron, he's going to only enhance your game. Okay, so you said that Michael Jordan is the greatest thing, Kobe. When it's all said and done, I have to ask you this. And we talk about LeBron. What does he Where does he rank on the Mount Rushmore? And I and I want you to consider this. Consider that I believe Michael Jordan is considered one of the best because we don't know what he was like off the court. I think social media, uh, enough information was gathered about Kobe. We knew his flaws. We could see them. They were they were palpable. You could touch them. You could explain them. You couldn't really do that with MJ. So here we have LeBron, and he took so much heat early on for mm -hmm. things that I thought were so insignificant. But where does he, he rank when it's all said and done, when he's retired? I think when you're talking about athletes that really transcended a sport, when you talk about Mount Rushmore, he's the guy that I will put up there with Muhammad Ali, mm -hmm. Jim Brown, LeBron James. Not so much about the, the chips, but it's more not, about... It's not about basketball or anything like that, but it's what he embodied. The thing from, you know, social issues, you know, addressing politics, and he's addressing sports, and he's addressing, you know, pushing the culture forward in sports, and, you know, just... You never seen that big of a star take on all that and embrace it gracefully and continue to perform at a high level. You know, other people just was dialed in on just the sport and the trophies that came with the sport. LeBron seemed to be a guy that is dialed into the trophies that come with the most important thing, and that's life. If you had the opportunity, would you want to play with uh, someone like LeBron? Absolutely. A hundred percent. I just, you know, he's a selfless individual out there. And you have to understand when you're playing with, I play with a gang of superstar players, not stars, but superstars. When they win, they're going to get the praise. And when they lose oh, yeah. to preserve them and their legacy, that's what you're there for. You're going to get paid handsomely, but you're going to take the hit. He took the hit. LeBron takes he, a lot of hits. He takes a lot of hits, but ultimately the people around him okay. take the most hits. And they have to understand that. So when you embrace something like that, just understand when you're playing with a superstar of that magnitude, that's what comes with it. So do you... Before I let you go, do you want to do the breaking news now that you're coming out of retirement and playing for the Lakers? <laughs> do we? I, man, I would love that. <laughs> I would love Shall this. we make a phone call? I'm, I'm done with basketball, though. I'm, 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 so, no. No, I'm not. Are you, you're not going to break basketball. it right now. I'm not going to break it. I'm going to wait till uh, <laughs> when Kobe come out, I'm coming out. Oh, you did. Kobe is done. It's Kobe, a wrap. You never know. Uh, you uh oh. You Tell never us. know. Breaking news Kobe coming out of retirement. When Kobe come out, I'm coming out. You guys hear that now on Be Honest. When Kobe comes out of retirement, you heard it here first. Karan Butler will join him. I'm joining Kobe. We're on alert. 
on alert. I Kobe mean, watch. Kobe watch and Quran watch. <laughs> um, I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Uh, really quickly, when is Tough Juice out? Hey, we man. Expect we, it. We're trying to find a director right now. Okay. We, that's the process okay. we're going through. You're I'm available. Dutch. All right. Karan <laughs> Butler on Be Honest. I love you so much. Love appreciate you. Queen. Okay, so you don't have a heart if you didn't feel inspired by Karan Butler's story. You got to check my man out and just wish him the best because he is truly a motivational, inspiring person. Uh, I, I am so grateful he decided to be on the podcast. I'm more grateful that not only can you listen to the podcast, you can watch now on the ESPN Plus app. Make sure you subscribe, download, check it out. That's all for now. I'll see you next time on Be Honest.